Attention, attention all personnel, it's MASHCAST! Hello and welcome to MASHCAST, the show that analyzes and celebrates, episode by episode, the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983. Proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, General Robert Iron Guts Kelly, and joining us this week in the VAP tent is Lieutenant Stephanie Kais. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being here. Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. This is a real real honor for me. And, been... uh, the rank is also a real honor because I'm pretty sure I would have been busted down to the bus private with my mouth. As, so. as, <laughs> as I have said to everybody, anyone who's nice enough to come on the show is immediately made an officer, and then you can move up from there. So you start at lieutenant. But yeah, I want to get just a little bit of background. Stephanie and I uh, have been trading emails about MASHcast and about MASH in general for a little while now, and back at like right at the beginning of season four, you had mentioned if there was room, you you know, could you come on for season five? And it's like I was like, well, that was that's so far away, but yes, we'll do it. Uh, but now we're here, <laughs> we're here, we're in the, we're recording season five, so now we're here. So again, this is just great. I'm so glad I get to talk to you in real time, and we are talking about a real yeah. humdinger of an episode <laughs> that we're going to get to. Um, but before we get to the show in question, Stephanie, since you're new to the show, I got to ask you, like, how did you become a fan of Mash the series? So my MASH origin story is I don't ever remember a time when MASH wasn't on television. So I, I mean, MASH is just in my DNA at this point in time. I um, would watch, when I actually remember watching them, the live episodes, it was when MASH was on Monday. And I know that it moved around <clears throat> quite a bit throughout its uh, tenure on TV, but it finally settled on Monday nights. And then in syndication, we would watch it before the local news or after the local news or any of those things. So I, I don't remember a time that MASH wasn't in, in my life. Now, did you, I'm assuming you're saying we, so you mean you watched it with your family? Uh, not, it wasn't just you? No, it was with my, my mom and dad and brother, but mainly it was with my my dad and I spent a lot of time watching MASH. It was, um, we would do the thing where Trapper and Hawkeye, you know how they would like kind of pull their necks back and look at each other? Mm-hmm. We would do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of our little thing. Now, did you, yeah. like when you watched it, did you, was, uh, obviously you're watching it kind of on a different level than your dad is because he's an adult. He's kind of getting all mm-hmm. the jokes. So, like, was there stuff that you were, like, Dad, what's that? Dad, what's this? Or, or did you just kind of just take it all in as you watched it? Um, I think I was astute enough to know that the stuff that was like sex, I didn't want to <laughs> ask any questions about that. But the other stuff I would definitely ask about. And there would be references to old movies and things like that that I would have to ask because I had no, no idea what. And I can't think of anything right now, of course, mm. because it would be important for me to have that information at my fingertips. But... <laughs> Know, some of this stuff like Mary Pickford I don't know I, I, I was like who's that right sure why would so, you know who that was yeah why would a child right. in 1980s know who Mary Pickford mm-hmm. was yeah that, totally. right yeah I would like I said I mentioned I would do the same thing I would look things up and mm-hmm. be like what who is you know who, look, who's Claude Rains like what's that about like <laughs> that kind of thing so do you remember what was it was the- that, that that struck you as a kid was it just that you just thought it was funny is that I mean what what was it that you liked so much because I mean again it's it's a show you know, again, it, it's amazing how much of a kid audience MASH had, considering it's not a kid show. No, not at all. I think that because I was, I was able to watch the silly seasons, which are what I consider seasons one through five, sort of the silly seasons, and at the same time see the serious ones, I was able to fall in love with it because of the silliness and, you know, Hawkeye and Trapper and BJ sort of flouting authority when they could. And, but then as I got older, I could understand the serious ones. Like I remember, I think this, the one where Charles finds the bullet hole in his cap. Mm -hmm. I remember that very clearly. And it really impressed upon me that like, Oh, you know, he, he's acting this way because he, he realizes he could have died. So I think that I had the, the, the two different versions of MASH that combined together to really make my personality. <laughs> Is there a particular <laughs> era that you tend to like more than some other? Again, it's all, it's all MASH. It's all great. 
But right. w- as you were watching it, is there kind of your more bad, you know, the later see the Winchester years, the early, is there something you have just a slight preference for? I loved Wayne Rogers so much that <laughs> a lot of women I, say that. Yeah. <laughs> seasons three, four, and five are probably my favorite, but there's some, I mean, there's some powerful TV that comes on later on in the, in the more serious Winchester years, but yeah, the, it's like comfort food. So mm-hmm. <laughs> the three, four, and five, I don't have to think about it. Those are the ones that tended to be on in syndication, obviously, um, when the show was still in the first run. And I have very vivid memories of watching those silly ones with my dad. So those are, that's definitely my favorite era of match. Mm-hmm. So that's terrific. I can, that's, uh, I did the same thing. I would watch it on Monday nights when it aired new and then watch the old ones. And you were really were getting this interesting history of like, wow, this is what the show is now. And this is what it was then. And they're airing uh-huh. it's sometimes like just a half hour apart. If you're watching it on like a Monday and it's like, wow, right. this, this show is really encompassing a lot of things here because it's tonally and characters and it looks a little different. It's you really kind of yeah. get the breadth of the history of the show by watching it like that. I remember very vividly, like that's, that's Colonel Potter. Why is Colonel Potter acting like that? Why, why is he, because I had seen Colonel Potter in real time and then we were watching the general general flipped at dawn and it's like, no, no, what happened here? What's going on? <laughs> That's something they don't do anymore. They don't reuse actors back in the old day, yeah. back in the mash days. That was pretty commonplace. But nowadays they, cause they know people are watching it. And of course it's going to be repeated on streaming ad nauseum. So they don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But man, in the old days it was just like, yeah, we just use the same. I mean, I've always talked about, it. we use, there's actors that appear, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 times <laughs> playing different characters each time. Uh, yeah. it's different, just a kind of different and style. Three different rosies, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, I mean, who would have imagined fifty years ago that that we would be able to watch on streaming services? I mean, that's just crazy talk. Mm-hmm. So they never had the plan for that contingency. Yeah, I never thought about that. It would just be gone forever. So, well, again, that's that's marvelous. Um, again, we're we're here to talk about a really great episode. It is season five, of course. Episode six, the abduction of Margaret Houlihan. The original air date was October 26th. <laughs> now I'm laughing already. October 26th, 1976, written by Alan Katz and Don Rio and Gene Reynolds and directed by Gene Reynolds. In the middle of the night, Margaret and Klinger, who was on guard duty, are met by a young Korean girl who is in distress and asks for help. Margaret, understanding a certain amount of Korean, explains that the young girl says her mother is giving birth and needs help delivering. She grabs her medical bag and takes off with the young girl. The next morning, Margaret is nowhere to be seen. Rainer looks everywhere, but can't find her. Frank decides to go find her himself, loading his gun with macho pride. Unfortunately, as Hawkeye says, Frank's as good a marksman as he is a doctor, and he accidentally fires the gun with the bullet nicking BJ in the leg. Colonel Potter, not knowing what else to do, brings in army intelligence. Unfortunately, that means Colonel Flagg. Flagg does some investigation, including mistaking Hawkeye for BJ, and insisting that Frank's reading material, Reader's Digest, is in fact a commie rag, a.k.a. Red's Digest. Flag turns up nothing on Margaret, and at Colonel Potter's office, he has radar orders some artillery strikes. Potter is aghast, but Flag is not deterred. Suddenly, Margaret wanders in, wondering why everyone is so shocked to see her. She tells them where she was, having successfully delivered the baby, and Potter has Flag call off all of his elaborate plans. Flag, though, won't depart until everyone else closes their eyes so he can leave mysteriously, like his codename, The Wind. Everyone initially refuses. When Flag says he won't leave unless they do, they shut their eyes immediately. They hear a grunt and a crash and see that Flag has jumped out Potter's window. Hawkeye looks out the hole and says, dismissively, The Wind just broke its leg. So, all right, uh, <laughs> Stephanie, I mean, I, I, yeah, we'll go through it scene by scene as, as we do on the show. But, I mean, I, I would assume, because you wanted to do this one, you specifically asked about this one, that you agree mm-hmm. with me that this is absolutely one of the funniest episodes they ever did. Absolutely. This and um, Deal Me Out are my two top silly episodes. I just <laughs> love them. It's stacked from top, like, opening line to closing line. It's just hysterical. And I still laugh at it, even though I've seen it all these many times. Absolutely. Yeah. When I rewatched it uh, for this, you know, preparing, pre- preparing for this episode, I laughed all over again. I'm like, God, I've seen these jokes 40 million times. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And it is a very silly episode. 
uh, in all the best possible mm-hmm. ways. I mean, they said that other shows of this season have been more serious. And again, that's something we've been talking about across seasons four and five of MASH is the reason why I think these two seasons are the finest two seasons of television ever done is that MASH was able to, you know, swing for the fences with these sort of form busting dramatic episodes and do them really well. And then also do these little ones and do them really well. And this thing, I mean, you know, we'll get to it at the end when I do like my favorite line. I had Mm -hmm. like five selections for favorite joke Mm -hmm. and I had to Mm -hmm. kind of limit it. Even then I couldn't limit it down to just one because it's so funny and it's such a great plot and it's so specific to mash. And that of course somebody want, you know, somebody wanders off camp and that's, you're really taking your life in your hands by doing that. Now, Margaret, Margaret's brave and she's willing to do it. She's always willing to help out somebody, but you know, you really, it really would be kind of weird to wake up and find that someone is gone mm-hmm. from the unit. You know, you're like, well, yeah. and it's not like you can call their cell phone to find out where they are. And you just got to hope that they show up. And of course, bringing in the idiot Colonel flag is the perfect non-solution to this problem because he's not going to help. Exactly. At all. So, I right. mean, it is just unbelievably uh, funny. Um, so mm-hmm. the, 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 the show opens in a scene in um, post-op where we clearly, it's like in the middle of the night, and maybe it's like maybe just getting to be dawn and Margaret is coming off duty. She talks to uh, nurse Abel uh, here, here played by Susan Bredhoff. The only time she would play uh, nurse Abel, of course, Enid Kent would end up playing Abel at a certain point. A couple of different people would play Abel actually, but uh, she comes in and Margaret, uh, Mar- you know, she says, uh, I'm really beat. And Abel says, yeah, you look beat. Good, but but beat and has to sort of catch herself. Um, there's a great little detail where uh, Loretta Swit is trying to hang the clipboard on the nail yeah, on the end of the bed, it. and she can't do it because she's not. I guess she's not looking at it, so she keeps kind of doing it. And you can see she's like scraping it, and then she finally just hands it to Susan Bredhoff. Yeah, she just hands it to the other actress. <laughs> Here, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, that's a, that feels like that's an not an ad lib, but a they just let they just kept rolling. You know, they're just like, it's all right. right. What difference does it make? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, and it makes sense in the context that she's really tired too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can't do anything very skilled at that level. Whenever you're that tired, it's just like, forget it. It's yours. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a great detail. So then Margaret wanders uh, on, uh, wanders across the compound with Klinger, who was on guard duty. And, you know, in later seasons, uh, they, we would get more of Klinger and Margaret together but this is at this moment this is like relatively unique we generally didn't see mm-hmm. margaret and Klinger have scenes together uh just just the two of them and i love that Klinger is so indefatigable and that like he never gives up the ghost you know he's nope. he's just he, she's like she calls him cinderella and she's being very dismissive and she even says when are you going to give all this up and he just is absolutely not having it and he's just kind of ignoring her like he's just kind of almost doing his bit uh, uh-huh. for an audience that even isn't even particularly interested. Right, right. But he's he's committed. Yeah, he's he's in it to win it. Yeah. Um, so then... Uh, and she says, she tells him, you're a disgrace to the army. And he's like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. He's just, he's totally not, you know, taking what she's selling and vice versa. Um, so then this young girl shows up and she is speaking Korean. And again, this is a detail that I really love about Margaret is that Margaret speaks some level of Korean. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's a great detail that Frank, of course, is such a xenophobe and he doesn't care about it. He even talks about, you know, we should give this country back to the Indians and all that kind of bizarro nonsense. But Margaret at least makes an attempt. And I like that, that they kept that going through the seasons that she knows how to speak on some level to the Koreans. Um, and then there's the, the young girl waiting for Margaret to get her bag and she gives Klinger the side eye, like, what the hell am I, right. what, what am I looking at here? Right. For a, a kid who's probably never, you know, seen TV or heard it, maybe even heard a radio, uh, that would probably be really shocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, you know, Klinger duly notes that, uh, that, uh, that Margaret is leaving the tent and even says, if something happens to you, can I have your clothes? Which is very, yeah. very, very, uh, very caring. Uh, Goldman, <laughs> Private Goldman, comes to relieve him. He asks Goldman to undo his bra. And he says, I usually don't let guys do this on the first date. 
And, you know, MASH didn't, in fact, um, we talked about this when I interviewed Jamie Farr, uh, where that, you know, initially one of the, the director wanted Jamie to play Klinger as gay. Mm-hmm. And then Gene Reynolds and Larry Gelbart said, no, 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 no. We play it literally straight. You know, mm-hmm. that's not what you're doing. And so MASH didn't do that many jokes that even glanced at the idea that Klinger was gay. And they're not doing it here. We're not, they're not suggesting Klinger is gay. But they never even, they very rarely even made a joke like this, uh, that there was some sort of right. gender swapping thing going on. And yet, you know, here it is. So it, it kind of stands out. And you got to think for 1976, it's a pretty progressive joke. Yeah, I actually thought about that. And even when I was a kid and now, I think that that was just like really flip. Like, he just means he's not easy. Like, <laughs> it, it doesn't, you know, so it's a bra. So, of course, he says a guy, but it just means he's not easy. He's, right. you know, talking about his virtue and not, it's not gay panic or anything like no. that. It's just, it's just a funny line. Yeah. Uh, Matt Mash right. never engaged in gay panic jokes. Uh, thankfully, no. uh, because there are some shows that have come along long after MASH that have done gay panic jokes and you watch them now and I'm like, Ugh, uh, that joke, de- yeah. <laughs> joke doesn't really right. age. MASH is a lot older, but it never did that, which again, one of the reasons I love it so much. Um, yeah, so, I yeah. really, I mean, that's, it's always, it was always very respectful and that's one of the reasons why I liked Hawkeye and BJ and Trapper, of course, and then later on, Charles, because they were always protecting the people that needed protecting, mm-hmm. you know, and they never went after somebody just to go after them. They'd go after Frank because, well, it would almost be rude not to, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you had to bring the fight to them for them to start in on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah, they always uh, punched up, never punched down. Yeah. Never uh, punched down. Yeah. Never punched down. That's, you know, as, as. As a kid, as a sensitive little child, I was very, <laughs> very in tune with that. You know, I was like, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that, those are the guys. So, uh, you know, a couple hours later, Colonel Potter is taking over in post op and he talks to the patient that actually propositioned Margaret early on, where she says, I'm yeah. really tired. And he says, Do you want to lie down? Which is, you know, right. man, talk about swinging for the fences. Right. <laughs> I was glad to see that he was recovering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the actor playing the the patient is Jay Fenichel. Uh He actually passed away in 1994 at only 40 years old. Oh, no. um, yeah, he had TV credits like Wonder Woman, The Rockford Files, Head of the Class. So uh, Potter is looking at the chart and he can't read it. And he says, uh, "They said that's Major Houlihan's writing." And then Radar has the, the line about she writes bad enough to be a doctor. And you know, that's one of those jokes that as a, as a as a, as a kid, I didn't really get, and I mm-hmm. still don't really get it, just from the context that I guess doctors are famous for having bad handwriting. Is that a thing? I don't know. I guess. I think that's, that's just because they write those prescriptions and things so fast. And they, I think that there's a lot of like shorthand maybe and what they write, like good Latin. And so I, I think if you look at a prescription, you're kind of like, well, what the hell is that? Yeah. But it has like Latin phrases, like, QBID or something. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, well, I, that's just, that's Greek to me. So I'm just going to say it's bad handwriting. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. The doctors in our audience, uh, doctors Ange and Lewis, please clue us in on the comments if doctors are famous for having yeah. uh, particularly bad handwriting. And of course, Radar's like, well, you know, what, what happened if she doesn't have her clothes on? And Potter says, bring in her birthday suit. And then uh, he, immediately answers my pleasure and then potter gives them a look of like what and if <laughs> right i realized right. he kind of went over his skis a little bit that he probably should be making that kind of joke uh we then cut to the yeah sp- there's a couple of different times during the show whenever radar is like it, it, simultaneously terrified of margaret and yet a little turned on by her <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's true um so uh, later in the uh, swamp hawkeye is just goofing around pretending that he's playing uh, basketball and Radar comes to uh, look for him, and he says he's looking for Margaret. And he said, the, you know, Hawkeye is not uh, interested in helping him at all. He's not taking it remotely seriously. Um, and then uh, BJ shows up, and again, BJ doesn't take it seriously either. Uh, he says, I'm looking for a major Houlihan. And, of course, BJ has the line about, um, well, I know about a geisha house. You can go to get a minor Houlihan. Uh, right. So the, the, the two of them are just completely enjoying each other 
and not even remotely trying to help Radar. And poor Radar is just he's trying to get his he's trying to get his work done. She's trying to find Margaret Holohan, and the guys are not helping. Right, and he's genuinely concerned about her, mm-hmm. and, and they're not taking this seriously at all. And then Frank rises from the the sea of his bed. <laughs> There's a great. This, they love the, the great primordial joke. ooze of the, of yeah. the swamp. <laughs> I love the joke where he says, uh, there's a doctor trying to sleep here. And of course, Hawkeye is like, well, you better shut up then, Frank. You might wake him. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, and so then Frank, uh, another great pause on Radar's behalf where Radar, uh, excuse me, Frank says, what are you doing here, grunthead? And there's this full pause where Radar does, who's he talking to? You know, like, what? And then he kind of looks around and he realizes he's talking to me. And he gets sort of frustrated with Frank. He's a little like, I'm looking for Major Holy. Like, I'm kind of here in official business. What are you giving me grief about this for? She's your girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find her. Why are you talking to me like that? Yeah. 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 He he very rarely talks back to Frank at all. But even he's kind of getting, you know, a little bit frustrated. Um, So then after he leaves, Frank starts taking it seriously. And, you know, he's talking about that uh, maybe she's out there being uh, kidnapped by Chinese heathens. Of course, Frank's mm-hmm. imagination completely goes, you know, off the rails. Then we cut <laughs> to we, some torture porn fantasy. <laughs> yeah, right. He immediately goes to like, yeah, the most sordid kind of things imaginable. Um, Radar finds Klinger. And again, we established unofficially Radar. I mean, uh, Klinger clearly has his own tent. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's good for the comic relief of it all, because I guess he would have to share with Goldman, Igor. Igor, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that Zale. Would be we it. know he doesn't share a tent with Zale because they hate each other. Right, right. But I mean, that that could provide some hijinks too with the three of them in that tent. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so then, back in the swamp, uh, Frank is once again indulging in, as you say, his torture porn fantasy saying uh they've got her hanging upside down doing unspeakable things to her and uh bj gets caught up speak a few he gets caught up in <laughs> um so then uh frank gets out his gun and bj says you know you don't put that thing away i'm gonna find a new holster for it and then there's this moment where frank is like holding it and like squeezing the trigger with mm-hmm. all of his might and i'm like what the hell is he doing right well he's just gonna marksman is he as a surgeon he's as safe a gun handler as he is a surgeon i guess yeah i mean like, what is, like is he trying to turn the safety off i mean what the you really should not be holding a gun like that uh it's just completely right. completely insane and i would be terrified if i ever shared a domicile with someone who handles a handgun like that because obviously it hurt pretty easily as right. uh, what happens uh we cut to uh, hawkeye singing a kind of naughty song and then he hears a gunshot <laughs> And it gets concerned, obviously. Then I'll uh, like that. That sounded a little close. And it's a great cut on Gene Reynolds' behavior, or maybe it was the editor, to BJ screaming at the top of his lungs, "You moron! You could have killed me!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. I, I, the one I, thing about did you notice that there's no blood at all? No, when he shoots you, him in the leg. Yeah, no, you never see anything. Right? He says he just nicked it. Right, right. But it's and, just I didn't notice that until. Just recently, I was like, well, how come his leg isn't bleeding? Yeah. I guess I didn't have blood in the budget that week. No, they probably didn't want to get too terribly gory with it. So, uh, right. you hop along, ferret face, shot me in the leg. It's a great line. Uh, and then BJ, Hawkeye, you know, looks at it, which requires BJ to flip up his his uh, robe and he says, will you respect me in the morning? And then mm-hmm. they, they cart uh, BJ out. Uh, yeah, they cart BJ out. And it's this wonderful gag of... Uh, Frank begging the guys not to tell on him. Please, please, pretty please. Yeah. <laughs> Frank, stop acting like a sniveling idiot. I'm not acting. You're not acting. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, uh, please just promise you won't tell on me. And they go, we promise, Frank. And then right after Potter comes out, what happened? Hawkeye, Frank shot BJ. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's brilliant that timing of that. Oh, it's Frank. Oh. Frank is relieved for like a nanosecond. And it's, it's like, Frank's not BJ. They don't, they don't even wait. Yeah. Not even a nanosecond to blame him. It's the, yeah, the timing of it, the rhythm of it is so good of just please, pretty please. We promise Frank. What happened? Frank shot BJ. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So then, uh, 
Frank is in the office with Potter and Radar, and of course Potter's explain yourself, Burns. And this leads to again, oh God, just so many. This whole scene is mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. Uh, you know, I love. He says, you know, I was cleaning my weapon and it discharged prematurely, sir. I think the Chinese have captured Major Houlihan. And Potter says, I see. So naturally, you shot Captain Honeycutt. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Harry it, Morgan, it, man. That line became like a cornerstone in our family when something just completely ridiculous would be like, oh, so naturally, you shot Captain Honeycutt. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, again, so perfectly delivered. Just so naturally, you <laughs> shot Captain Honeycutt. Cut. And then we get uh, this another great moment where Radar is chuckling at the idiocy of all this. Right. And Burns is, what's so funny, Corporal? And poor Radar has to pretend. And he says, sorry, sir. And then I love that we get this joke from Colonel Potter, but we never see Colonel Potter, where he says, don't blame the boy, Burns. He knows a good joke when he sees one. <laughs> when he sees one, not when he hears one. When he sees one. It's so funny. And Ritter's like trying not to laugh. Oh, it's so good. It's so fantastic. And I love when, when uh, Frank says, I'll go back to my tent. And then Potter says, a mental pygmy. Walks a mental past pygmy. Mental, which is a great phrase, mental pygmy. He walks past Radar and Gary Berghoff is losing it. The actor yeah. is losing it. And he puts his hand <laughs> over his face to keep mm-hmm. it from the camera. And he is... Ab, like the actor is dying laughing and he manages to hold on long enough to turn and follow Potter into his office. But man, it is, yeah. you could just tell Gary Berghoff is just laughing his ass off. But the timing of that, just that this, this seat, I can't talk. Sorry about that. Hmm. This episode, just the, the timing of all of them and just the timing of the jokes is why it is still funny. I mean, because I can hear jokes over and over and be like, yeah, that was funny the first 85 times. Hmm. But this, it's just, it's pitch perfect. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Yeah. It's just a, a beautifully directed by uh, Gene Reynolds. I mean, you get the actors are the actors and the writing is the writing, but you also have to direct it with the right rhythm to right. kind of keep it moving and, and, you know, get the most out of the joke. That's, you, you've got a good joke, it helps. But I've seen good jokes flattened by poor filmmaking. Uh, right. But Reynolds is just keeping this rat-a-tat-tat thing uh, moving. And so then again, there's this wonderful conversation between uh, Radar and Potter where he talks about these looked everywhere. He went from Nurse Abel to Sergeant Zale, which is... <laughs> I try to use the alphabet as much as possible. Yeah, <laughs> which is actually pretty clever, Radar. And he says, I've looked everywhere but the nurse's showers, which you got to think would be the first place you'd look for. After right. Margaret's tent, wouldn't that be place place number two? I mean, come on, radar. Well, you know it's radar. I, still, this is you when know, his I mean, scared. This is when his scared of Margaret rises. Yep. As opposed, and the uh, kind of turned on by Margaret Ebbs. <laughs> <laughs> and he, you know, Potter, of course, gives him the look. You know, like, well, why are you looking there? He says, "Oh, there might be naked personnel with their clothes off. What's the big deal? Nudity makes me breathe funny." To which Potter replies, "Affects me the same way." <laughs> He's trying so hard to help Radar uh, along. And then, of course, Radar is grasping at straws, leading to another absolutely classic line. But, sir, couldn't we find somebody else, like maybe Captain Pierce? To which Potter replies, no, we'd never get him out of there. Never get him out of there. (laughs) I actually met Mike Farrell in 2008, and I talked to him about this episode. All the things I could have talked to him about. I talked to him about this episode. And he was so kind to me. That's not surprising. But I could tell he didn't remember this episode. At all. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, but, but this is like, you know, a huge part of my life. And I'm like, well, of course it was just a job for him. But. Yeah, it was one of, you know, 170 that he did or whatever. <laughs> right. Right. He was absolutely lovely. Again, that's not surprising. With my experiences mm-hmm. with Mike, that is that's not shocking yeah. at all. May I ask what the context was for meeting him? Sure. Um, I'm an attorney, and I was at an anti-death penalty conference. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. <clears throat> he's a very is, big advocate uh, against the death penalty. Right. And he was there, and um, he spoke. 
briefly, you know, um, but he came to that conference. It's in Monterey every year and he would pull up in his pickup truck and come in and do his thing. And then, you know, uh, that year he was actually selling copies of his book. So I bought a copy of the book and I went to the line for him to sign it. When I actually got close enough to him, when he was signing my book, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I completely froze. And so then I went like after I sort of recovered my senses, I went back and I was like, I'm really sorry. Um, you know, I just wanted to thank you for <clears throat> how, how much you've influenced, how much you and MASH have influenced me over the years. And he was just lovely. He talked about um, me personally. Then he asked questions about our, you know, like what I was doing there and our death row statistics for Nevada, which is where I was living at the time. And he was just, it, he was wonderful. Again, not surprising, you know, from, mm -hmm. from everything I had heard and then everything I experienced personally. Mm -hmm. uh, that is not surprising. You know what? Let, let, I want to pause here because, of course, uh, you mentioned this in an email. You also got to speak to another member of the cast, which I have to ask you about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I talked to Alan Alda. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Very in the lead here, Stephanie. Come on. Um, he has a podcast, which is wonderful. Right, clear and clear uh, and vivid. Clear and vivid. And I was at the level of Patreon. I don't think it's Patreon. I think it's a different platform. But um, where he would do a Zoom call with us once a month. And so the first time, I, I don't know what I was thinking. And I just had my cat on the screen. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, why is there a cat here? <laughs> I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I really don't feel that I'm properly made up and, and, you know, dressed to meet Alan Alda. And he's like, no, no. So that was my first interaction with him. And then the next time I was on a call with him, um, and this was all during the pandemic, like in the serious lockdown stages of the pandemic, um, my father had died from coronavirus and I told him about it and he was very kind and lovely, um, just as you would expect. Mm. And um, that was like major bucket list stuff. And I would take screenshots of me with Alan Alda in it. <laughs> so of course. To I'm like, that's just me and Alan Alda hanging out on Zoom. <laughs> are you kidding? I'd get a tattoo of that if I had something like that. What are you kidding? Oh, my God. Was it just you and him or was it you and a bunch of people? In no. Him? There's a bunch of people, okay, but he was, he was very good about, um, engaging with everybody. And, you know, he, he, it's Alan Alda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's just amazing. I don't know. I, I mean, I listened to clear and vivid. I don't know how I missed this thing that they were doing. I would have tried to pony up the money for that. Are you kidding me? I said, I don't yeah, know. It you, yeah. It's the best money I've ever spent. Oh my Lord. Yeah. I mean, one of the best monies I've ever spent because I actually got stocked down in Aldo and it was pretty remarkable. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's just amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, now I'm trying to collect uh, all the mash people. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 You, you got to start the mentality sort of sets in a little. I was like, Oh, okay. Talk to this person. This, yeah. I mean, for my show, you know, in terms of the cast, it's Alan Alda and Gary Berghoff. So, all right, the mm -hmm. two of you, <laughs> you're, you're next. Right. But, you know, I don't want to make sound threatening. So, Right. Alan, we know you're listening. Yeah, you oh, know. yes. I'm sure email Alan all is listening to. <laughs> yes, yes. You can email the show at fireandwaterpodcast.net <laughs> if you're so interested now. Um, so, mm -hmm. so, okay. So, yeah, that, that line is just, again, perfectly delivered by Harry Morgan. No, we never get him out of there. Like, it's just, mm -hmm. and, you know, of course, Radar knows that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, of course. The last guy you'd send into the nurse's showers is, and you can really send BJ actually. That probably would have been fine, but not Hawkeye. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so then we see, of course, Radar is checking out the nurse's shower. And uh, in the shower is one of the nurses played by uh, Lynn Marie Stewart, who we've seen already across the season, the last season. And in fact, in the Lieutenant Radar O'Reilly episode, She's the nurse that's making the big play for Radar when he is, right. uh, you know, when he's a forbidden fruit. And here she has zero, she's, you know, very, she's, you know, she's screaming at him, get out, get out, get out. 
you know, is Margaret Houlihan is Major Houlihan here? No, no, she's not. And she's screaming. And, right. You know, context is everything. But I'm a little surprised that she's as offended as she is, considering how seemingly interested she is in Radar. Right. She took a hard right turn or hard left turn on that after he got his promotion, the corporal captain or yeah. no. What was it? Lieutenant? It was Lieutenant on that one. His corporal yeah. captain is the made up one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He gets promoted. He gets like four ranks promoted in Lieutenant Radar O'Reilly. So. Right. Um, so then we, uh, we catch up with Margaret and we see that she is in fact delivering the baby. The woman uh, is the pregnant woman is played by June Kyoto Lu. This is her first of four mashes. Uh, she was actually in Goodbye for Well and I'm In. She's in the last mm-hmm. episode. And she was in shows like Seinfeld, Six Feet Under, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Lost, Vice Principals. Like she's still working to this day. And she was in Big Trouble in Little China, the uh, great uh, John Carpenter movie. Huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's had quite a long career. I, I love looking through people's IMDb profiles, you know, because it's like somebody who had like one line and you think, oh, yeah, what, you know, what was their career? And then once in a while, you get somebody like, uh, like this, like Miss Lou, who has like dozens and dozens of credits, and you're like, wow, okay, mm-hmm. she just she was working. Mash was just one stop on a very long career. Uh, so you know, yeah, yeah I love that. I love that. I love that they, you know, because everybody's like, oh, I want to be a star or whatever. You know, those people they just want to be actors, and that's mm-hmm. what they do. And I love that. Yeah, I would love to find out. I've never had a chance to like talk to somebody at like this level of stardom, but I would love to find out like, what's their life like, you know, like, mm-hmm. do they, are they, they're, they're probably well, you know, are they wealthy as we sort of think of it or are they, is it like, you know what I mean? Like, I'd love to know what their life is like. Can they, is their fame just enough that they can keep working and living in California presumably, or is it right. harder to, yeah, I would love to find that out. We, we know, we know that like Alan Alden, and Mike Farrell and, big stars, how they do, but like somebody like this who just keeps working, but it never has more than one or two lines in any given project. I wonder what that, that life is like. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. That would be a very interesting documentary to follow somebody who has, you know, that character actor career. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, so Margaret delivers the baby. She does have a line, which is very Margaret Houlihan that even in this beautiful moment of delivering this baby, and she says, just promise me you won't grow up to be a North Korean, uh, which is yeah. really only for her. No one understands her. Uh, right. so that's just for her. And so she, you know, Margaret's still going to be Margaret. She can't quite drop her politics no matter what. <laughs> yeah. So uh, following that, there is a scene in Potter's office, which I never saw until the DVDs. This was always cut in syndication. Uh, and it's kind of a, it's funny because it's Hawkeye and Potter just trading barbs back and forth and, and stuff. But it's not, there's re- it doesn't add anything to the show in particular, other than Radar showing up and saying, I checked the nurse's showers and Margaret isn't there. But it does feel mm-hmm. ever so slightly like a little bit of filler. Like they had an extra 30 seconds and they were like, well, let's give Hawkeye something next to do because he's the star of the show and put him in there. And then, right. and then Frank comes in and they kind of dump on Frank. And it said, it is when I watched it, I'm like, Oh, okay. I could see why the syndicator would cut the scene. Not because it's bad, but just because it does not really involve the plot in any great way. We must've had similar uh, syndication packages because that was the one that was cut out of our syndication package too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that it was the, like the button, but I was like, no, I remember him doing that with a golf club and the, machine gun noises and then i happened to watch the next episode and it the part where Klinger speaks arabic is completely cut out of what our syndicate package was and so then there's a part that was left in where he answers somebody in arabic and you're like what the hell is that about yeah 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 it doesn't make any sense because they completely cut out that other part Yep. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to that uh, the next episode. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. There's some like setups that are cut, and then when you get to like sort of the the punchline, or at least the later the, the referral, you're like, wait, what are they? What are they talking about? Um, so uh, right. Radar is on the phone with Sparky, and he's like, it's really scary. What ha- you know, a full grown person could disappear. Can you imagine what happened to my to my <laughs> uh, to my rabbit? <laughs> my rabbit, and he kind of chuckles at himself. And then, of course, the ringer of our episode, Edward Winter. As Colonel Flag, uh, just again, kind of like what I've talked about with um, Richard Lee Sung, 
Mm-hmm. Every time you gave Richard Lee Sung something to say, it was funny. Like the guy never oh, missed. Yeah. And Edward Winter just owns this part. And it's it's cartoony. And I know that later on in later seasons, they got rid of Flag because they felt that he was just getting too broad and the show couldn't really kind of, the, the way the show had kind of serioused up a little, he didn't fit mm-hmm. anymore. And I can't even argue with that. But man, this is this is just like a brilliant comic turn by this guy. Yeah, he's he's so good as Colonel Flag. It's just every time he showed up, you knew that you were we were in for it at that point in time. Something yeah. great was going to happen because yeah. Colonel Flag was there. Yeah, it's just absolutely fantastic. And of course, he's like, "How did you know it was me?" And Radar comes up with this sort of circular excuse, you know, where he says, "Well, you right. look the least like yourself, sir." And I figured since you're a master of disguise. <laughs> You would be the person most likely to look least like yourself, which is, <laughs> it's that's like a Henry Blake double speak kind of thing. And if you follow the right. logic, you're like, all right, yeah, I, yeah, all right, I buy that, <laughs> right? And Colonel Flag's like, right, of course, because I am a master of disguise. <laughs> like, yeah, um, brilliant, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, so uh, then he walked, you know, he shows up and talks to Colonel Potter. And, uh, you know, he gets to the whole, he says, uh, you know, I've trained myself not to laugh. And he says, really? He says, I watched a hundred hours of the three stooges. Every time I felt like smiling, I jabbed myself with a cattle prod. And I love Potter just goes, <laughs> that ought to do it. And he's even got a little smile on his face. Like he's just like, all right, I'm not buying into this nonsense. I'll just, all right, fine. Yeah. That ought to do it. Let's just move on. Right. <laughs> that kind of thing. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. We're going to go with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, it's like when someone, it's like, you know, someone in real life lies to you and the lie is so preposterous that it's like, I, I'm not going to bother pointing out that I know that you're lying because it's so ridiculous. So let's just move on. Yeah. Okay. Sure. You know, that, that's right. Fine. So Potter tells, you know, uh, Potter, Potter tells flag what's going on and then he can't help digging in and he says, uh, why are you dressed like an Italian usher? Which is, <laughs> and he says, I'm dressed as Ling Chow, Chinese double agent. And then, funny, you don't look Chinese. Neither would Ling Chow if you were dressed like this. Follow me? Like this. And then Potter says, as far as I'd like to. <laughs> yep. As far as I'd like to. <laughs> just like, and he shakes his head. Potter like shakes his head and goes back to his work. And he's just like, all right. It's just, you know, <laughs> idiocy. You know, like, okay. But he's got to humor the guy because he's a colonel. He's a fellow colonel. Right. Uh, so he has right. to kind of at least pretend. All right, fine. Uh, so then we're back at the swamp, and uh, BJ is talking about his wound. He says, "If I blow on my big toe, my thigh whistles and stuff." And uh, <laughs> and then of course, Flag says, uh, "You know, I know everything just to know about you. So watch your step, Honeycut." And of course, Hawkeye has that look. He's like, "I'm Pierce." He says, "Fine. You want to call yourself Pierce? I can play that game too." You're like, good lord. Good Lord, Flag! You've known this guy for like a year and a half. How do you not know who he is at this point? Right, the other guy wasn't there. Yeah, <laughs> there was another other guy there, and now you have this other guy, and you still don't know who's who. Yeah, he's just a complete moron. Um, Edward Winter has this marvelous hand gesture where he says, "How did you? How did you? Uh, how did you get that wound?" And uh, BJ says, "Cut myself shaving." And then uh, Flag does this thing where he moves his hand over his face, like he's—I don't mm-hmm. know—like he's going to pretend he's going to cough or something. And then he turns it into like a finger cannon, right? You know, it's like a, you know, and it's like it, he's so in love with the gesture. And I'm like, what is he? It's like when he's but where's Hulahan? And it's like like somehow that's going to be intimidating or something. Like it's I don't know. Like I don't know what right. Flag thinks that's doing, but. He's clearly meaning it to be very intimidating. And of course, BJ, of course, is not even remotely intimidating. No, that would only work on radar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it also will work on Frank, of course. Well, um, of course. As, uh, as uh, uh, Flag walks over and, uh, you know, he looks, uh, he sees again, we mentioned that Frank is reading Reader's Digest. And he's like, this won't look good on your service record. What's the matter, sir? It's just Reader's Digest. You're not if you take out the third, fifth, and seventh letters. Then it's Red's Digest, comrade. And I, I wonder if that is, was something from the culture during the, the Red Scare of the 50s, that Red, Reader's Digest was considered some sort of front for communist leanings by taking out the you know, third, fifth, and sixth letters or something, or that's oh, just like the creation of the writers. 
Right, like it's a QAnon coded message. Yes, kind of exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if that was, again, that was a, a Don Rio and Alan Katz's creation. Um, so uh, <laughs> Flag talks about that, uh, you know, you were, uh, you, you're my number one suspect. And uh, we know you had a relationship. Do like, you want me to get the films? Oh, there's films. And of course, Hawkeye and BJ <laughs> cannot resist uh, piling on, doing the whole bit about, you know, uh, you, 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 I'll bring the popcorn. Yeah, yeah. You, know, uh, you hit her over the head. You packed her to Las Vegas, and now oh. she's doing two shows a night at the Sands with BJ. Three on Saturdays. <laughs> but there's only one flaw in that theory. Only one. <laughs> I use that all the time too. What the only one? Yeah, yeah. There's only one flaw in that. The only one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's uh, there. They don't do three three shows a night at the Sands because he was a chorus girl. Uh, for six Wait, weeks. for six weeks. So, of course. Uh, um, a- we forgot to talk about how he has Frank by the hair at this point yes. in time. And has actually drug him a little bit off of his bed closer to BJ and Hawkeye when he's talking about there's only one flaw in that theory. <laughs> it's great acting by Larry Linville because he is like, it's like he's being led around by the nose, except it's his hair. He's like, oh, I got to stay close to this guy. He's yeah. got me by the hand. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's great. Um, so then we have uh, Radar and Potter walking the compound, talking about that, uh, all right, Margaret's been gone long enough that some of her duties are now, now being performed, including an instruction course for how to deliver babies to the Korean locals. And then uh, Klinger walks right by, and uh, you know Potter says, you look lovely in yellow, and Klinger says, you know, always a gentleman. And, you know, I guess the camp is large enough that the story that Margaret has disappeared hasn't reached Klinger by this point. But, you know, right there is their answer. They could just talk to Klinger, but no, it's he walks by and this plot's got to continue. So this is a really good, I mean, we could have stopped this episode if he had a shared a tent with somebody, but he's That's alone. Right. So he doesn't know anything about it. Yep. That's another thing I always say whenever a, a man compliments me, I always say, always the gentleman. <laughs> This episode has really bled into your your daily life, oh, Stephanie. Yes. It's amazing. Oh yes, yeah. you can see why yes. you wanted to talk about this one. Um, so has Mash in general, though. So <laughs> oh, that's right, right, right. In, this one in particular, but yes, Mash in general. Um, so then we get the lesson. Potter gives the birthing birthing lesson. There's a translator. Uh, the name of that actor is Johnny Yoon. He passed away just uh, two years ago in 2020. Uh, this is first of four mashes oh. uh, for him. He was in movies like The Cannibal Run, <laughs> Nothing in Common, and They Call Me Bruce. <laughs> um, there's this, and then there's this great bit where he, you know, Radar pretending to be the pregnant uh, woman. Uh, you know, he says, "Okay, you know, gear up and push." And Radar looks like he's trying to lift a car uh, with his right. teeth. And Potter's like, "Take it easy, Radar. You don't want to shoot him across the room." It's <laughs> a great line, too. Yes. Um, it is. And he gives the instruction about gently rotating the baby's head. And then he says, and the, you know, the baby comes in, swoosh. And the translator goes, swish. And of course, Potter's like, but it doesn't sound like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Right. And the ladies are giggling. Yes. Um, and then we see that uh, Radar has, in fact, delivered a teddy bear. Uh, and it's just a really, he pats the bottom of it. Uh, it's really cute. It's, again, it's, you know, it's, that's the kind of, commander you want you know is colonel potter right it was very sweet when i grew up on a farm and my dad had grown up on a farm so when i got pregnant with my son there were all these jokes about like pulling chains and you know all the stuff that you do to deliver cattle and it it was funny right up until it wasn't Mm -hmm. so my dad was at the hospital when i was in labor with my son and he got up to leave and he'd been on best behavior. He hadn't said anything about cows, calving, anything like that. And as he walked out, he said, don't shoot it across the room. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have really internalized this episode. It's oh, pretty yeah. amazing. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Again, and this is all one show. Like how many lines have you just talked about that you've worked into your regular existence? It's like five from one two. episode. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know? That's a that's a hell of a hit ratio for Cats and Rio. Yeah. I got to say, it'd be pretty amazing. Um, so now back in Potter's office, of course, Flag has found absolutely nothing, and everyone's just sort of waiting around to see what happens. Flag talks about 
that he's had a device surgically implanted in his throat that neutralizes alcohol. Um, I don't, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to call shenanigans on the science of that. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that that works. I don't think no. that's how any of that works. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't believe that's how alcohol gets into your system is by being neutralized in your throat. It's still got to go somewhere. <laughs> um, much like I've, as I've talked about, like I always wanted to see the young Sherman Potter Chronicles show. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> Colonel Flag would make would have made a great uh, in the day. You know, they didn't do this back then, so they couldn't have done it. But like a six episode miniseries of just the oh, crazy sure. Colonel Flag adventures because you know you right. just put him in all what sorts of insane situations. origin story <laughs> yeah what is wrong with this guy to get hit on the head like what you know whatever uh and of course he's sitting in Potter's chair and uh you know Potter is like you know will you blow your butt out of my chair I love that Potter's like he's only willing to take so much uh Flag refers to himself I never sit down long anyway because I'm the wind and Hawkeye is <laughs> I told you he was the wind and uh, and then he says, "You said he was the stars." And Hawkeye and uh, BJ's like, "No, I said he was the moon." <laughs> yes, really enjoying themselves. So you know, they then Flag starts talking about, you know, well, okay, uh, I'm gonna uh, we're gonna call it some offshore bar- artillery and some bombing, and you know, it's like what, you're gonna kill how many people to 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 what end, Flag? Right. And nobody knows really where she is. So yeah. what is your target with that? Yeah. What are you just going to do? Blow up what? The surrounding area? Like what? You know, <laughs> uh, a platoon of rangers he asks for to parachute into North Korea. I mean, just, you know, absolutely ridiculous. And he's, you know, what's war without casualties? Peace. And if it wasn't for war, you wouldn't know what peace was. Which is, again, this is kind of like Ed Woodian roundabout right. talking which is just kind of just generic you know kind of just insane of the way it kind of loop-de-loops in on itself alert the navy for offshore artillery a squadron of copters for air-to-ground search this is gonna the search for Margaret is gonna cost about a billion dollars uh, right raw dollars <laughs> and then he says uh round up a box of scorpions about a dozen and of course radars scorpion scorpions scorpions big ones hawkeye's like what the hell are you gonna do with a box of scorpions uh personal gift for a friend <laughs> right it reminded uh, me of the other episode he was on where he's like uh signed your loving son queen victoria queen victoria yeah <laughs> <laughs> mary had a little lamb oh he knows i'm here i'm mary uh, right. and I'm then mary. Yeah, i'm mary <laughs> and then uh flag ever winner with the greatest marvelous delivery just as raiders leaving the room and he says if you can't find the scorpion Get me two snakes and a rat. And the way he, like, two snakes and a rat. rat. He just says it so, like, John Wayne, macho. It's absolutely, again, brilliant, brilliant performance by, by Edward Winner. Um, so then uh, Margaret is back. Margaret, is again, she's got the baby. Klinger is uh, presumably back on duty, I guess, although he doesn't have his gun with him. But he's dressed in, like, a nice outfit and stuff. So he's, uh, he's, he's ready for something. We see the little baby. He's got that great line. He says, how do you breathe through that little thing? Which is the baby's little nose. And uh, she <laughs> says, anything, anything happened? And he says, no, I rinked my pink pedal pushers. Other than that, it's been very quiet. So somehow Klinger has not heard anything about what's going on at the unit. Okay, he's completely isolated from the paratroopers and <laughs> the onslaught to North Korea. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So uh, now we're back in Potter's office. Hawkeye and BJ have finally had enough and they're just like, fine, we're going to go. And uh, R- uh, Frank has a thing. He puts his arm around uh, uh, Flag and he says, Colonel Flag and I don't need you. And Colonel Flag has the line about, <laughs> my father touched me like that once. To this day, he still has to wear orthopedic shirts. Uh, <laughs> and Larry Linville like snivel a snaky away from him. Like, he doesn't even do it like a confident, like, oh, sorry. It's still very like sniveling the way he pulls his arm away, like sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a movie in the eighties uh, with Michael Keaton called Johnny Dangerously. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh huh. Because there, there, there's a, the same joke. No, I mean it gets not. I don't I'm not accusing anybody of stealing it, but there's a runner in that where uh, Joe Piscopo was like the big mob boss, and he has this right. thing where people keep touching him, and he says, "My father touched me like that once." 
once. And it's all this running right. gag about people. Yeah, only get the time. And to me, that's it's Colonel Flag. It's a total Colonel Flag kind of delivery. Uh, that same kind of yeah. thing. Um, so then Margaret arrives and everyone's all excited. And I love that that Flag is still kind of in. He's like, don't touch her. She may be booby trapped. <laughs> and I love that. That Colonel Potter just kind of like hand waves. I'm like, I oh, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, where have you been? And then she says, I went to deliver a baby. Didn't Klinger tell you? And they realize, oh, okay, Klinger should have mentioned it to somebody. And then flag takes credit. He says, count on me. I can find anything. And then Hawkeye has the line. Can you find my virginity? Right. I lost it 20 years ago. I haven't seen it since. Now, Stephanie, in <laughs> your mind, how old is Hawkeye in this show? How old do you think he's supposed to be in this show? Because Alan Alder was 40 when he... I thought he was supposed to be like 35. Okay, you thought he was... Okay, I always thought they were supposed to be younger than that, that they were the young doctors. I always thought Hawkeye was supposed to be like 31. I mean, obviously Alder was 40, and he's already kind of... His mm-hmm. hair is already starting to gray just ever so slightly. But I always took it that they were trying to age them down a little that they were the young whippersnappers right. still. And so when he said, I lost my virginity 20 years ago, I'm like, did Hawkeye lose his virginity when he was like 12? <laughs> <It's> 11. <laughs> I know he's a player, but good Lord, you know. But then everybody's, of course, you know, he's probably bragging right. as well about losing it 20 years ago. So, um, right. Yeah. So uh, Radar calls everything off. Of course, ahead of time, he says, yeah, I called everything off. And then uh, Flag says, he's good. What about, he's, what about your scorpions? Uh, I'll get some from home. Right. I just have some at home. Yeah. Just get a box of scorpions. Like you do. Like you do. Of course. Who who hasn't sent for a box of scorpions? Uh, (laughs) So then he says he's going to depart. And he says, when I finish a job, nobody ever sees me leave. Which is nonsense. We've seen him leave all the time. Like, what are you talking about, Flag? Right. So he says, you know, I forgot you're the wind. And he says, I'm either swallowed up by the night or disappear in the (laughs) mist. It's my trademark. What are you, the shadow? What are you talking about? What the hell is he, you know? Disappear in the mist. Disappear in the mist. There's a lot of misty, foggy nights in Korea. (laughs) Yeah. like so weird. Does he does he only leave at night? So he never leaves during the day. I'm pretty sure we've left seen flag leave during the day at some point. But anyway, he says, if you don't uh, shut your eyes, I'm not leaving. There's a great you know little ADR of the ah, and he you know, clearly gets a running jump. We hear the smash, right? Look, and Hawkeye goes over, and we see the uh, the windows broken. Now, of course, the windows in Potter's office are not glass. Um, no, they're like plastic. They're right? plastic. You would not have yeah. glass in a mobile. So army surgical unit, but it's okay. You know, it's fine. It's it's right for the, for the purpose of the gag. And I love on top of Hawkeye's line about the wind just broke his leg, the way he kind of like straightens his head a little, like he's being very, the wind just broke his leg. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And they all go look out They They're they're, even, even uh, Frank even has like his hands on radar shoulder and stuff. It's really cute. Like they're for once they're kind of all getting along and, uh, all, they're right. all on the same page of the idiocy of Colonel. Fox. Because they, right? They all want to see how this dumpster fire has played out. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right. It's like because you don't see it, you get to imagine for yourself. You're like, I'm imagine. You know, he's laying there on the compound, bleeding. You know, not enough right. that they really have to worry that he's hurt, but bleeding enough that he looks like a complete jackass. It's a great right with his. I always imagine it with like his heel up by his ear. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, how the hell did he do? I mean, how would, how would one even get enough room, uh, you know, uh, runway to jump up out the window like that? Potter's office is pretty small. They, they taught him that in spy school. That's true. That's true. Yeah, if I can buy the, the uh, jabbing himself with a cattle prod. I guess I right. That was uh, that same day. Yeah, exactly. Prod. Big, big, big day at the spy training <laughs> school. Uh, so then we get the button scene. Where Hawkeye says, oh, yeah, I knew there was something wrong with that girl, that I, that showgirl I saw. And he does this really silly gig, gag with his uh, golf club singing a pretty girl is like a melody, inserting the doing the uh, machine right. gun fire. And uh, it's a runner where uh, they're always playing chess. Hawkeye and BJ are always playing chess together. And often BJ gets the drop on him and he says, checkmate. And, you know, Hawkeye's like, what, again? And that's the end of the episode. And yeah. Again, boy, howdy, what a funny show. So good. Yeah. Uh, Alan Katz and Don Rio, uh, with this season, became producers on MASH. This is only one of two scripts 
that they would be credited on. They also wrote Movie Tonight later on in Fissy, which is, again is a very funny show. Uh, they right. they produce shows like Share, Rhoda, Roseanne, Blossom. Don Rio has produced some shows uh, like Private Benjamin, the John Larroquette show, Two and a Half Men. Everybody hates Chris. It's very strange to me that they, I mean, probably being producers, I'm sure they had their hand in other scripts unofficially. But man, it's a darn shame that they didn't directly write more shows because this one is so funny. It's so funny. And so is Movie Tonight. It's one mm-hmm. of my favorite of the, mm-hmm. of the funny shows with the whole, you know, Chopper Pilot song. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's good. It's really good. But yeah, it is a shame um, that they didn't do more episodes writing them because they obviously have the, the tone right and the character sound to make it really funny. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, look, I mean, just they, they've, they've handed your family like half a dozen things you say to one another over the years. I mean, that's, it's <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty amazing writer job by those guys. So yeah, again, being on staff, they probably got to punch up scripts unofficially because it's probably part of their job. So there might be some really great jokes in later episodes that we don't never be credited to them. But yeah, considering right. how well this one came off, it, it seems amazing to me that uh, they didn't never got around to uh, writing more than just the two shows. But yeah, it is an it is an absolute classic. It makes me laugh every time I see it. Uh, even though we've already gone through a bunch of funny lines, I still have one more really great joke from my favorite line because it's just so right. damn funny. But before I before I do my, what's yours? What's your favorite line or joke? If we haven't already gotten to, it? well, I think that just based on the very vivid memory I have of us watching this after the local news one night when he says, so naturally you shot Captain Honeycutt. My dad laughed so hard, which made me and my mom, my brother was in college at this time, made us laugh so hard. So that's my favorite because it just encapsulates like all the things that are wrong with Frank, (laughs) all the things that are wrong with the army. (laughs) Mm-hmm. it's just everything right there in that little gem it's yeah i mean it is again stone cold perfectly delivered by harry morgan just naturally natural i think it's the word naturally is what right. makes it puts it over the top it'd be one thing to say i think the chinese have captured margaret my major <laughs> Houlihan. so you shot captain honeycutt like that's funny but nat- the, the the naturally is just insulting burns so bad it's just absolutely fantastic so yeah that is right. it's mar- marvelous it's so insulting yeah it just right. really is um, like he can't even figure out when he, the enemy is so clear i think the chinese have her so i'm gonna go shoot bj <laughs> yeah. yeah of course why wouldn't I you just love it yeah why wouldn't you do right. that uh my favorite line is again i purposely left it out in our synopsis because i just wanted to get to it here when flag walks into potter's office he doesn't knock, and he's dressed in that ridiculous outfit, and Potter is looking at some papers. He mm-hmm. looks up, and he doesn't break stride, and he just says, be with you in a minute, Flag," which is great because it's insulting Flag. <laughs> that, you know, and then he pauses, and then he, you know, we see that Flag looks slightly disappointed that he's been so easily recognized, and then Potter rubs salt in the wound. Nice suit. Your clown outfit and the cleaners. <laughs> just, it's so, it's yes. so dismissive of him. Oh, my God. Harry Morgan, man. Yeah, that is that a guy. Great. Oh, <laughs> nice suit. Your clown outfit in the cleaners. <laughs> it's just right. so fantastic. So, oh, man, what a great show. What it's perfect. Absolutely great show, man. So, well, Stephanie, uh, thank yes. you so much for coming on and doing this. Again, we've traded a bunch of emails back and forth about your love of mashing. You talked to me a little bit about, about your dad watching the show with your dad, which sounds like it's just a marvelous mm-hmm. set of experiences. And we're very, very sorry for your loss, of course, and say that. Oh, thank you. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's just a terrible thing that we've all gone through in the past couple of years. And again, thank you so much for, for reaching yep. out and, and doing the show. I really appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate you uh, letting me pester you into allowing me to do this episode. So <laughs> persistence yeah, no, pays off, kids. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, bug me enough, and I just give in. Uh, so, well, why don't you uh, <laughs> tell people where they can find you out on the internet? I am on Twitter, and my Twitter handle is ftsfh, the number four ever, 
And if you're interested in more of my general shenanigans and silliness, you can download a Nod Pod on Apple Podcasts. And that is me and my podcast partner, Steve. And uh, we give a nod to things that we think are important and special. And I hope you'll uh, listen and enjoy. So you're, so the, the Nod Pod, you said well, like it covers like what? Like everything under the sun that you guys want to talk about? Pretty much. Yeah, one of the, we're both attorneys, so, <laughs> well, okay, here's the deal. We're both arrogant enough to think that people will want to listen to us talk about anything <laughs> is part of it, but we just kind of, you know, we didn't want to get stuck in one, in one topic, you know, without a new wiggle room, so we've talked about um, entertainers during the pandemic. We've talked about um, I'm trying to think, specialty courts, like uh, problem-solving courts, and the work that they do to help people get back into the community after they've had an experience with the criminal justice system. And it's just, we try to be a little informative and a little funny at the same time. Mm-hmm. It sounds good. So are you suggesting that people that have podcasts are, are arrogant, that they think people <laughs> want to hear their opinions? Is that what, what, is that what you're telling me, Stephanie? Because uh, I have like seven podcasts. What are you saying? <laughs> No, I'm saying that in this particular instance, <laughs> Steve and I both think very highly of ourselves and enjoy the sound of our own voices. Well, that's I think I'm probably guilty of that, too. Uh, but OK, <laughs> well, again, uh, thanks so much for, for coming on. I, it was really great to, to get to talk to you. Uh, you I know, really appreciate it. Thank you so it. much. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much again. Not face to face, but uh, but but close enough. So, uh, right. of course, uh, everybody, if you want to follow the show, go to our website, findwaterpodcast.com. We're always talking mash over on Twitter at mash four seven seven cast. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. And then finally, if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fw podcast, and there you can unlock various rewards. One of which is to be name checked on a show of your choice. So, big salute to Daniel Ulrich, Nicholas Prom, Muscle Burbage, Dan Peel, Britt Schramm, Mike Thomas, Michael Porter. Joe Perino and Billy Shulman for their support of MASHCast. I really appreciate it. So, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. But until then, that is all. Just promise you won't tell me. Get me in trouble. Huh? Please, please, pretty please. We promise, Frank. What happened here? Frank shot BJ.